Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Our guest today is Jim Gold, who's the CEO of Steward Partners Global Advisory. They're an independent wealth management platform founded in 2013. Now, this thing's grown to oversee approximately $25 billion in clients' assets under management. Few firms have undergone the growth that Steward Partners has experienced over the past nine years, and we're anxious to find out how Jim and his team has achieved this amazing trajectory. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thank you so much. Happy to be here today. For people out there who may not be familiar with Steward Partners, can you do a little background on your firm for us? Sure. Yeah. So the firm, as you said, was founded in 2013. Uh, The majority of the leadership team came out of a wirehouse. Uh, Many of us were legacy Smith Barney uh, leadership and former advisors. And I think for us, it was an opportunity to build a firm that said, let's capture the benefits of independence but let's give people the infrastructure that they were accustomed to at, at the big firms. Uh, and I think that's a, that model is very unique, right? It's an opportunity for what we call independence with infrastructure. Um, and a big part of our offering is to have an equity culture as well. So everyone at the firm is a shareholder. Everyone here is a true partner, not partner in name only. And I think that becomes a big differentiator from a cultural perspective. As I mentioned, your growth rate over the past few years is striking. How have you and your team achieved so many milestones in such a short period of time? I think, listen, I think the the model hits a a nerve in a good way, and it struck a chord with people that were, I think, disenfranchised where they were. And very, very common that we hear from folks to say, you know, my prior firm, I, I really had accepted the fact that my best days in this industry were behind me. And it feels so wonderful to be at a firm that our best days are ahead of us. And I think that's really one of our secret weapons we have, Doug, in the in the effort to recruit, which is our advisors are our best referral source. So typically we have about 50% of our new partners that join us are the direct referral from an existing partner here. And I will tell you, as someone that spent you know two decades in a wirehouse firm, you never get referrals from, from existing advisors to bring someone over to the company. Um, so that's really, really it's wonderful in two ways. One is that it tells me that the people that are here are very pleased with the organization, which we take a lot of pride in. Um, and people want to have share that with the people that they like and have friendships with from their prior firms, which is wonderful for us. Pritzker recently invested a nice chunk of money into your firm. And that's the first time you've taken an investment. What does that mean for you and your advisors and your staff? Yeah, actually, it was the second time we took in capital. So we um, we are the only firm, Doug, ever built to this size without taking in capital to launch. And why that's important is that means the cap table of who owns the firm is aligned correctly. So um, firm launched in 2013, as we said, um, the first capital we took in was actually in 2019 from Sinashore, which is a uh, Salt Lake City-based family office. And they work with a number of prominent families in the greater Mountain West. So they put in $50 million. And then two years later, which was last May of 21, uh, the Pritzker organization, which is Tom Pritzker's personal family office, 
um, invested $100 million. So if you think about what would this look like had it been done differently, you know, if we took in $150 million to launch, like many of our competitors did, those two entities would own 75% of the firm today. Uh, by doing it over time and running the place lean and building it, you know, on a wing and a prayer in the very beginning, um, the two outside investors own about a quarter of the firm. And the other 75% is owned by folks that work here, predominantly the advisors that are here, which we think is, is the correct alignment. So speaking of that, your advisors and employees, they all are equity owners, as you mentioned. What's the thinking behind that? And how does that work? Listen, we think it's to us, it was we want to build a great organization. And it's a very different mindset when you're an owner, right? And, and if you think about the opportunity for wealth creation, we also pay out distributions from the firm to all the shareholders. Um, there is, you know, the, the classes of shares are leveled in the sense of there's no economic benefit that one group gets over another. But really, it was to have a firm that truly everyone would say, I, I deeply care about this organization because I'm an owner here. So what that fosters is collaboration. It fosters the opportunity when you chat with someone to say, well, let's think about this now as a shareholder. Is that a different lens for you to think about this decision, right? Um, when you're not an owner of the firm you work for, you know, sometimes a singular goal is to get as much out of that firm as you can, right? And that's, that's appropriate in many cases. Here, it, it creates an environment where people have seen the benefit of ownership. So when we did those two capital raises, just to give you the combined numbers, so 150 million came in. We took 70 million of that 150 and we created a tender opportunity for every single person at the firm. And so people had the opportunity to monetize some of the equity. And I look at it very simply, Doug, is listen, it's wonderful to have equity in a firm. It's even better if that equity is growing in value. But it's incredible when those two first thing happen, then you can actually monetize that value. And so we've done all three of those in a very short period of time. We've also shown the benefit through a distribution. So last year, we distributed uh, almost $8 million to the partnership in the form of profit sharing. So people are seeing you know, cash coming out. They're seeing valuation increase. And I think that's just a motivator for everyone to help the firm continue to be successful. Yeah, that's got to be exciting for everybody. There was a quite a bit of movement last year and even more this year amongst advisors. Why are you finding so many advisors on the move? Um, listen, I think if you look back historically, um, bear markets tend to drive movement. And the number one period of time of all movement in the industry was 08, 09, 2010. So that three-year period or 20, you know, 28-month period in the middle of that, which was obviously the, the great financial crisis. So you have many people that, you know, they jumped from the frying pan to the fire or they jumped from the frying pan to another frying pan. And now with some hind, you know, hindsight and many of the firms that they joined have struggled in the last 10 years. And you look at the equity value of those firms, the cultural changes at those firms, the move to really creating the, you know, putting the advisors almost on a salary bonus type of structure, the continued, you know, tweaking of comp plans. So this just continues to be great frustration, which on our side, we benefit from because people then open to having a conversation. I think the independent movement has never been stronger. I always say this and I sincerely mean it. I hope that all the other independent firms are successful because the opportunity is enormous, right? There's close to $30 trillion in investable assets in the US. You know, if all the independent firms got a piece of that, there's plenty to go around for everyone. So I think there's lots of choices for advisors, which is terrific. 
And what I would encourage people to do is look at the model and, and take the due diligence really, really seriously. Talk to as many people as you're able to. And we encourage people who are looking at Steward to you know, talk to advisors, talk to the management team, talk to board members, talk to investors of the company, because if you have nothing to hide, you should be really open to a thorough due diligence process. There are many choices out there for advisors. So how do you compete in the crowded field in luring them to steward? So many of your competitors say similar things to attract them. Is differentiate difficult? Is differentiation difficult for you? I don't think it is. I mean, I think, as you said, Doug, there's a lot of things that are similar, right? And listen, if you think about things like technology and platform, those are somewhat of a given, right? Um, but when you talk to people about equity ownership, right, we are the only independent firm that gives out equity in the parent company. So right away, that, that's something no one else can talk about. Uh, we talk about the value and wealth creation and, and the distributions there. Also, we have, we're the only firm with multiple models, right? We, we try to be agnostic and give people choice. So we offer you the ability to be a W-2 partner or a 1099 partner. You know, slightly different economics, slightly different setup. We're happy to accommodate both. Um, so we really like choice and flexibility. We don't want to be a one, you know, one trick pony, if you will. Um, and then in the 1099, which is really, again, unheard of, we're the only independent firm that covers all of your operations. We cover all of your compliance, right? So in many cases, folks that are striking out on their own to start an RIA, which again, if that's their choice, that's great. But then they suddenly realize, well, wait a minute, I need an operations compliance specialist and I might get audited by the SEC and what have you. So we provide a, a really high level of in infrastructure and support um, coupled with, I think, a really unique wealth creation opportunity with the equity. So I think our biggest challenge and, and conversations like this are helpful. I think we're, we're the best story people haven't heard. And generally, that's the reaction we get when we talk to someone for the first time. I think you're right. Um, speaking of differentiation and choice, you were purely exclusive to Raymond James, but recently became multi-custodial. What was the thinking there? Yeah, I think it follows the same theme. So we um, we've continued to evolve over the years, and you know, I always say this that you know great companies have to evolve, right? If you stay stagnant, you will become stagnant. Um, so we started a corporate RIA in 2016. Uh, we've been ranked now in the top 30 something odd RIAs in the world by Barrons uh, back to back years. Um, the next sort of evolution was acquiring this broker dealer, which really came as a sort of a side effect of acquiring the wealth management division of Umqua Bank. Uh, this was uh, closed last May, May of 21. So in picking up the broker dealer, that gave us the opportunity to become multi-custodial. So um, what I would say there is, listen, Raymond James is a excellent firm. We are super proud to represent them and that is not changing, right? So it is truly about saying, we wanna give people choice. We wanna give people optionality. And so we're, we're really excited about our newer custodian in Pershing was there yesterday at the headquarters. And again, a very impressive organization. So again, it's about giving people choice and flexibility and letting them decide based upon their own business, what do they feel is the best option for them? And I think about things simply, Doug, is as, as a person who is the CEO and, and I think about growing the organization, my goal is to give people as few options to tell me no as possible. And being multi-custodial, I think, helps in that, in that way, in a, in a meaningful way. Leading a firm like this is multifaceted. What are your go-tos for success? 
I think we're relentless. Uh, we're relentless to improve. We're relentless to grow. Uh, we're relentless to keep the culture great. And listen, the culture is a relationship and, it, and it's earned every day and it's earned every decision. And do people walk away from a conversation and say you were treated fairly? Because I, again, I can't stress enough the value of if people are happy at the organization, right, they're happy to bring other people here. If they're not, they're not going to, right? So uh, we have very ambitious goals. We, we want to be a billion dollar revenue firm. And we think we need about five or six more years to get there. Um, when the folks from Sinusure invested, we had about 8 billion in assets in 2019. Uh, we were at 24 billion two years later when TPO came in and finished last year at 27. And this year we're, we were hoping to get over that number. Obviously got a little headwind from the market this year, which doesn't help. But we are really lining up for, I think, an extraordinarily strong 2023. And, you know, as you know, momentum begets momentum over time. I'll get you out of here on a future question. What do you think the future holds for the advisor? Are they going to be as valuable for the next gen? I think they absolutely are because you see the wealth creation today. And the more information that's out there, the more confused people get. And you know, ultimately, people who have money to invest and have you know, concerns about doing it the right way, there's absolutely value in, in great financial advice. I think it's a shame that there are millions and millions and millions of people in our industry that go to work every day and do a great job for their clients. Uh, unfortunately, you don't hear much about that in the press. And you know, movies like The Wolf of Wall Street get all the attention. Uh, but that is the absolute you know, one millionth of 1% of our people. And I look at the people at Steward who are just so dedicated and so hardworking. And I know that the bonds they have with their clients are unbreakable. And I think that's proven when they move firms, whether they're going to Steward or anywhere, why do the clients follow them? Because they respect what they do and they really see the value in what they deliver on a daily basis for their clients. Jim, that was just great. Thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Doug. Thank you. To learn more about Jim and his team at Steward Partners, please visit them at stewardpartners.com. Please follow us for timely updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Julia Smolin, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.